And immigration was one that just really resonated with me personally because there's a lot of similar issues for low-income immigration. It's a form-driven process nationally that costs thousands of dollars of legal fees. The people who need it most just can't afford to pay that. And so they can't get work authorization. They can't get health care. They're sort of trapped in, in a cycle of poverty. Hello, this is the Great Battlefield Podcast. I'm Nathaniel G. Perlman. A great political battle is being fought right now between progressives and the forces of reaction on the other side. This show is about the political entrepreneurs and other progressive leaders who are finding new or improved ways to fight. I really like the entrepreneurship that's happening in the area of access to justice. In this episode, I spoke with Jonathan Petz, co-founder and executive director at immigrationhelp.org, a nonprofit that was founded to expand access to legal immigration for low-income immigrants. IH provides web applications that prepare immigration applications for free. Low-income users and those seeking humanitarian relief also receive a free attorney review of their completed forms. Jonathan was also co-founder of Upsolve.org, a nonprofit which has become the largest legal aid provider for bankruptcy in America. His co-founder in Upsolve, Rohan, was a previous guest on this show. So, after a quick word from our sponsor, my interview with Jonathan Petz of ImmigrationHelp.org. Check out the large, detailed, and high-quality political data graphic posters from TimePlots. Our visual history of the American presidency, for example, lets you see the Clinton, Bush, Obama, and Trump presidencies in full context. TimePlot's library includes visual histories of the United States House, the United States Senate, the Supreme Court, and the Democratic and Republican parties. Find them all at www.timeplots.com. Use the code BATTLEFIELD for a discount. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, Nathaniel. Would you mind introducing yourself and giving me a quick biography? Sure. My name is Jonathan Petz. I'm the co-founder of immigrationhelp.org. Um, I'm a, a lawyer by training. And until you know, basically the last six years, I've been focused on uh, this idea of how do you take legal expertise and give it to thousands or potentially millions of uh, low-income Americans who just can't afford to, to pay lawyers. And so that's what we're working on here, uh, helping dreamers and other low-income immigrants get immigration status online for free so that they can make their American dream come true. Seems like it would be pretty fulfilling work <laughs> if you can be successful in doing that. I mean, it's a lot of people talk about making the world better, you know, but I think it's pretty rare to have an idea that when you implement it could materially benefit so many people in a concrete way. That's what gets us out of bed in the morning. You know, it's this idea of, of making an impact, not just on a, on a few people, which is great, but to really do it in a scalable way is something that's really exciting. And, and it's like, it's really a blessing to, to be able to do. I came across what you're trying to do. And it recalled to me a previous interview with a, with a previous guest on the show who had done something similar in the bankruptcy space. And then uh, looking into it 
I found that you were his co-founder in that and that it's a very similar model. And so I would like to kind of backtrack you through the story, you know, of your version of how you came to start Upsolve. How do you get into the kind of law that you practiced? Where did you study? And then to the founding of, of Upsolve. My dad is an immigrant and his like big ambition for me was to become a lawyer. That was his big immigrant dream. And um, and I did that and I had this very conventional legal career where I, you know, was working at these large uh, New York corporate law firms, representing large companies that were restructuring. I was really dissatisfied with that work. I felt like this tiny cog in this huge machine. I didn't see one, how I was very good at it because I wasn't. <laughs> and second, I didn't see how, even if I was really good at it, how I was really making that much of a difference. I was, while I was doing that though, I had this, this opportunity to do these pro bono cases, helping low-income New Yorkers who are buried in debt. So you can imagine um, folks who are making $20,000 a year right near the, the federal poverty line uh, may have kids. And imagine now, as hard as that is in New York, being $40,000 in debt because you had a, a medical accident and now you, you owe you know a series of hospitals $40,000. Just an impossibly large sum for someone making a kind of money which they just can't save normally, much less pay off a, a gigantic debt, which gets bigger with interest probably. Exactly. Yes. Interest compounds. So there's no way folks like that are going to budget their way to financial security. Our founding fathers, in, you know, in their wisdom, they, they created uh, in our constitution the right to uh, declare bankruptcy. Um, and we have a bankruptcy code um, that was designed to give folks like this a fresh start uh, by filing a set of legal forms and erasing that debt. Um, and the problem is, is that I learned while I was, you know, helping these low-income New Yorkers is that the bankruptcy process, even though it's just filing a set of legal forms, it's a hundred pages of really dense legalese with terms like unsecured non-priority debt. And so no one who's not a lawyer <laughs> can actually <laughs> fill out these forms, right? So we're in this situation where you're making $20,000, you're $40,000 in debt, and the only way you can get out of this is by paying a lawyer $2,000 to help you file these forms. It's like this most absurd situation in the world. And my first pro bono client who I helped fill out these forms, um, she called me back a year later. Her name was Keisha. And she, was, she told me that she had this big success story. She had a better job now. Her credit score is 100 points higher. She was still debt free. And she said something to me, which is, if I hadn't found you, Jonathan, I would still be buried in this debt in poverty because it cost $2,000 to hire a bankruptcy lawyer. And if I had $2,000, I just wouldn't be filing for bankruptcy. And so that really made me realize that I wasn't working on, on the right problems uh, as a lawyer um, because the people who need legal services the most in the U.S. are the ones who are just the least able to access it. And the exciting thing about that is that it's just about filling out forms. It's not, you know, appearing in court and arguing motions. It's filling out forms, collecting documents, things that a computer can do as well and sometimes better than, than a human lawyer. 
through that experience, um, that's sort of what started the us to to create Upsolve, which is a, a nonprofit that helps folks uh, prepare their bankruptcy forms online for free. And it's now used uh, across the country and has erased uh, over $300 million of, of toxic debt uh, for low-income Americans. And I interviewed Rohan about it, and he's a compelling young man. And you know, he spoke obviously highly of you, his partner, in doing that. And and he, you know, he got into Y Combinator and he raised money from very prominent individuals along with you, I, I, I'm sure, and had great advisors and really turned it into something that's making a difference and something to be proud of. What was that like for you, that experience of being part of that enterprise? Yeah, I mean, Rohan, I don't know how I... I neglected to put his story first because Rohan was really the centerpiece of, of everything we did. You, you can imagine me being a lawyer, 34 years old. All I was trained to do was think about uh, reducing risk. Never like, how do you build something? How do you create something? And so Rohan, who's 20 years old, um, he was a Harvard junior at the time. And he just had this ambition. I, I had the same thought, like, oh, this could be automated. But I just never thought it would work. And he, in the way that, you know, 20-year-olds can sometimes be really fearless, he's just like, let's just start this. Let's just make a spreadsheet with the questions that we'd have to ask to fill out these 90-page PDFs, and let's see where it goes. And we did that, and that was the scariest part. And then, as you said, we helped a few people, and we we started to attract, you know, some some pretty great advisors to the Robin Hood Foundation in New York. And then they're a very influential uh, funder. And so, you know, everything sort of fell into place uh, from there. But if it wasn't for Rohan's just sort of a fearlessness to start, you know, none of that would have happened. I mean, I remember asking him, why don't you broaden out the mission of Upsolve to tackle other governmental things? And he responded something like, you know, this is enough. I got to be really focused, yeah. et cetera. So what's the founding story for immigrationhelp.com? How do you decide to launch a separate thing and how separate is it? And how much are you following the model of Upsolve? Yeah, we, we are following the model of Upsolve a lot. It's, you know, there's so many lessons we're, we're learning and there's sort of like the trailblazers in this space, um, but it is, it is a separate uh, nonprofit. And basically, uh, the story was in uh, 2019. Uh, I was a lifelong New Yorker and was working in Brooklyn with Rohan on Upsolve. And, and at that point, my wife got her dream job in Boston. So, you know, we were moving to Boston. And I said at the time in 2019, I would never in my entire life work on a remote company. Because I'm just all about meeting with people in person and working in person. And so I said, okay, I don't want to continue with Upsolve remotely. I want to take what I've learned um, in this amazing journey with Rohan and, and, and apply it to the next great access to justice challenge. And immigration was one that just really resonated with me personally because there's a lot of the similar issues for, for low-income immigration is bankruptcy. It's, it's a form-driven process nationally that costs thousands of dollars of legal fees. The people who need it most just can't afford to pay that. And so they can't get work authorization. They can't get health care. 
they're sort of trapped in, in a cycle of poverty. How do you start it? What do you have to do? It's, it's a very basic software, right? It's an online questionnaire that fills out a PDF at its core. So you have to make that online questionnaire. And for us, we actually, in Upsolve, that was an extremely painful uh, first step. Uh, because the tools that we had were very primitive. Um, but actually, in the, in the you know four years since the starting of Upsolve, technology has advanced a lot. Um, and now there's some pretty good tools. Um, so we were able to build this um, online questionnaire uh, without writing any code at all, just by using sort of pre-built tools. And then we have users who are going through this process to... Uh, prepare their applications and, you know, just seeing what works, what's really doesn't work um, as you go. So you formed the nonprofit. Did you raise money? Did you get a board of advisors? Is Rohan part of this? I talk, you know, basically once a month with Rohan to ask for advice. He's not a, a board member. And we did, we did have a, a build a board and, and we, you know, fundraising is a, always part of the nonprofit journey. So reaching out to foundations, individuals, but we try not to spend too much time on that sort of administrative stuff because the really hard part of this is just building something that people want that they can use. um, And that solves a real problem. And that that takes a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears to do. How much have you raised so far? We've raised about $250,000 so far, and that, uh, knock on wood, that number is about to, to go up um, in the next uh, two weeks uh, significantly. So, And so what's the plan? Like, how are you going to roll this forward and, and scale it up to where you want it to be? There's a discrete set of problems that, that we want to solve. So there are... Uh, dreamers who need to apply for DACA to, to get work permits. So these are uh, children of, of young, undocumented immigrant youth. Um, in order to get work permits, they need to submit immigration applications and can't afford legal fees. So that's problem one. That's what we're working on right now. In terms of the broader types of problems that we're going to solve, there is asylum. So, you know, People coming from countries escaping persecution, uh, those legal fees are, you know, usually north of five thousand dollars. There is uh, abused immigrant women who need either T visas, U visas, uh, VAWA petitions, and a number of other sets of of sort of like the most disadvantaged low income immigrants who who can't afford legal fees. So, building out those services over the next um, five years is is part of what we're doing, um, the most important part. Um, but we also sort of unique for nonprofits. We also have a vision to become sustainable uh, from earned revenue. Um, and the way that we're going to do that is um, we are building products for middle income immigrants who need to apply for citizenship or for a family green card. And so you can come to our site and uniquely, we're building this right now, but uniquely to to anywhere else online, you'll be able to uh, use our software to prepare, uh, let's say, 
a family green card application for free using a, a TurboTax style product. Um, and if you want, you get to the end, you have these forms, but you, you say to yourself, wouldn't it be nice for peace of mind to have an attorney review this or to be able to talk to someone uh, about a question that I have? Um, you'll be able to pay us to, to get those extra services. Um, and so the vision is for the revenue from that to make us fully self-sustaining to support our, our core humanitarian work, helping dreamers and, and refugees. Isn't that very similar to the Upsolve model? I remember discussing at least the idea of referring bankruptcy attorneys for the bigger cases, the more complex ones. Yeah, it's very similar. Um, it's, that's another piece of the Upsolve model that we're sort of borrowing from is becoming self-sustainable from earned revenue. Uh, we're doing it in a slightly different way than Upsolve, um, but it's the same general uh, concept. What is the state of immigration law right now? There's always these promises to reform it that don't quite make it through Congress. I've been an employer and sponsored immigrants is that everything is really tedious and slow and almost deliberately obtuse and painful. Why is it such a mess? Why is it so slow? And is there prospects for that changing? The reality is in the last five years, immigration law, immigration applications have become multiple times harder, multiple times more complex. And the reason for that is because it was intended, right? I mean, the, the, the Trump administration, I think, was very open that they wanted to limit immigration. And a lot of that was focused on, you know, illegal immigration on the border. But it was also very clear that they intentionally wanted to reduce legal immigration. Um, and they were very effective at doing that. They made these immigration forms so much more complicated to the point where if you had one space on a, on a form blank, as opposed to just putting not applicable, it, forms would be rejected. Can you imagine one thing uh, blank that's not applicable? And you get your application rejected. Probably a long time later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, processing times are at historic, we're at historic highs, rejection levels, at historic highs. But there is hope. The Biden administration is, is rolling back a lot of this, like that uh, blank space rejection rule that recently got rolled back. Progress is being made, but it's not, it's not actually something you can undo overnight you start talking about legislative fixes, those are really hard. I mean, as you know, getting any kind of legislation passed in Washington is, is really hard right now. So that's, that's a whole other ball of wax that is less optimistic right now. Where are you in, in building the nonprofit? Have you hired people? Do you have a staff? What are they doing? We have a staff of of immigrants and immigrants' children from six countries around the world. So that's like Mexico, uh, Romania, Ghana, Egypt. It's a team that has really personal experience with, with this problem and is, is really excited about the mission. Um, I would say about, you know, there's there's three, about half of that is, is sort of legal staff and then half is uh, tech or digital marketing folks. And where do you want it to be? Like, what will you need to, if you, if you raise all the money you need, how, what will you staff up to, to really make this happen? 
Yeah, I think it can be done with a small team. Uh, I think 10 full-time people can help a, a lot of people. I'm really passionate about just having a really small group of people that are very talented and hardworking and achieve outsized results rather than a staff of, you know, a hundred that, that moves at a more glacial pace. Well, how do you make sure that uh, low income folks with immigration issues know that this is an option? That's the hardest thing. So the first thing that we learned on Upsolve is that if you actually appear first in Google search, when people are searching for, for legal uh, answers, then you can reach thousands and ultimately millions of people. Um, so that's the first thing that we're working on. So we're writing content that, that answers folks' immigration questions. And then we are doing a lot of work to tell Google that we are trustworthy so that Google will prioritize that content. Um, and the way that we do that is we reach out to nonprofit organizations, to government organizations, and we get them to link to us. And those organizations could never link to a for-profit. It's a little bit of a, of a nonprofit moat. And using this system, you know, Upsolve has, is now ranks over Credit Karma in bankruptcy searches. Credit Karma was recently acquired for $7 billion. So this tiny team of, uh, you know, seven of nonprofit employees is winning Google search over a $7 billion company. Well, I don't know Credit Karma. What is that? Credit Karma is the number, I think the number one way that Americans find out what their credit score is. So it's an app that will give you your credit score for free and then will market you various financial products. So it sits on top of the experience of the world or whoever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of times in life, when you start climbing a ladder, if this were a ladder, the immigrationhelp.com, uh, you can get to the top of it, but sometimes you pick the wrong ladder. Why is this the right ladder for you? That's a very true statement. Uh, and one that I, I'm always um, thinking about. The reason that it's the right ladder for me is it really blends what I care about and what I'm good at. So what I'm good at is, is automating thousand dollar legal services that low income people can't afford and making them free and safe online. I care about immigrants. My dad was an immigrant. He came in his thirties, but he had no education after age 17, didn't go to college. You know, he worked through clerical job and middle management, and he really accomplished his, his big immigrant dreams. Um, and I hate the fact that uh, that dream is basically impossible today for low-income immigrants from Latin America, from Africa, from the Caribbean. And I think that we're in a position to be part of the solution to, to solve that inequity. You mentioned this notion of access to justice, which I think both your old enterprise and this new enterprise fit into. What else fits into that? What might be next? What are other people working on that also provide access to justice through uh, like a TurboTax sort of solution like you've put together? There's a, a for-profit company called SoloSuit that's doing some really interesting work in uh, helping people who are being sued by debt collectors. So 
there are millions of, of people that are sued for debt collectors each year that, and you know, 90% of them don't respond to them because it's intimidating. It's just, it's a lot. Um, but interestingly enough, if you do just file a response to the lawsuit, then in, in certain jurisdictions, 90% of the time you end up winning. So they're basically solving this problem, helping people file these, these simple defenses. And that is making a big difference in, in people's finances. So solo suit is one. Um, there's a, 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 another nonprofit uh, that we're friends with called Just Fix NYC that's helping people uh, defend against uh, eviction suits in with an, an online platform. There's another uh, app called uh, Good Call NYC that's helping people who are uh, have been arrested and need to access a lawyer and has sort of a, a tech enabled solution for that. So there's really no shortage of legal problems that can benefit from tech-enabled solutions just because of how broken fundamentally our legal system is. It feels like another way this could be solved would be for the federal government to adopt an app just like this or build an app like this in many different areas and provide the form-filling to you know, simplify that process as part of the mission of the agency that's that's doing immigration or bankruptcy or or you name it. Why is that not happening? Have you ever been asked to like come into the government and help them do that? Bankruptcy is a, is a good example. There is a initiative called the uh, Electronic Self Representation (ESR). And it's a, it's a web application that was designed by the, uh, I believe, the U.S. Office of Administrative Courts, or it might have been the bankruptcy courts. It hasn't gotten a lot of adoption. It is basically just an online version of the PDFs uh, to fill out online. It's really no branching logic, uh, as I last looked at it. And... It's been sort of in development for at least five years now. And I think the challenge that it illustrates is it's building software is really hard. And if it's not your core competency, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. It's just, it's really hard to do. And you may not be motivated to do it well and responsively and like iteratively and, 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 and on behalf of the client and you know, all of those things that, that motivate you and motivate good software entrepreneurs in for-profit or non-profit spaces. Yeah, exactly. Upsolve, for example, should not exist uh, in my view, right? Because there should just be a, a government version of Upsolve that would be convenient and quick. Um, and but, but even if they took it, they'd wreck it potentially. <laughs> in like a couple of years. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. It even happens like when, when one company acquires another company. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely you know, they, true. Uh, yeah. They tend to, you know, they, they lose sight of the core motivations. Exactly. Incentives, yeah. And I don't want to pick on government too much because there is like there there is additional levels of challenges that I won't get into that they'll face. But software development is is no country for old men, as they say. 
So what else should I know about your immigrationhelp.com? What have I not asked that I should have? I'll just explain how it works a little bit. Um, basically, you, you come to our site and you will screen yourself. You will we'll ask you some basic questions to see if you're eligible for one of our free services. Um, if you are, then you'll go. And it's important to, to note this is not for everyone, right? There are plenty of complex immigration cases, people who have past arrests or criminal history or past immigration fraud issues. Um, we are not a tool for those folks. We will refer them to a community-based legal aid organization, but uh, we can't help them directly. If we can help you, then you'll go through a, you know, a very similar to a TurboTax-style workflow, and we'll give you uh, a set of completed forms after we're confident that they look accurate and, and are going to be accepted, and instructions on how to file, and, and we'll be there to, to support you by email until you get your work permit and your immigration status. At what stage are you? I mean, you refer to some things in the five-year plan, some things under development. Where are you at this moment? Yeah, so right now we're narrowly focused on serving dreamers who have not been able to apply for DACA for, for the last few years. Is DACA like alive and well now? It is, yeah. Because they, is. really they tried to kill it off, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, the president did try to kill it off. But now DACA is alive and well. And so we've helped almost 5,000 low-income immigrants at various stages of their immigration process and are excited to, to just improve our, our current product, which uh, still needs a lot of work, to make it easier for people to, to automate it more for, for us. Um, and then to, to expand to, to solving these other uh, really complex immigration challenges as well. So if things go how you want them to in five or 10 years, what do you think the scale will be? How many people you think, you know, what's the market for this? How many people can be helped? I would say millions of people. In the past, as a lawyer, I, I really underestimated what we were capable of doing <laughs> when I said, oh, you know, we're just going to be able to help this many people. And it was a multiple of, of what I thought. So I've learned that, you know, just to, to think big, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of dreamers who could be using this to renew their DACA status every year or to get DACA status. Um, if there's a path to citizenship, we'll be able to help those folks. Uh, asylees around the world, I mean, that's a, a seven-figure number. Uh, folks who don't have access to any legal services currently. Uh, but it's not just helping people get immigration status. Um, our bigger vision is, um, one, is creating online community for, for immigrants, right? Being an immigrant is an inherently isolating and, and lonely experience going through this legal process. But there's so many people who are going through the same thing who can share their experiences of how interviews went or how long it took to get approved or fears that they had. Um, and so creating an online community for these folks to go through this process, empowering each other is a, a big part of our mission. Finally, because we had this competency at uh, finding people who need help on Google, we can serve as a gateway to those folks, directing them to all these other really valuable, essential services that folks need as low-income immigrants to, to escape poverty but that they, it's really hard to find. So job training services, uh, job placement services, uh, educational scholarships, food stamps, um, all of these things we can serve as a gateway 
to help our users. Sounds like plenty of work in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, it's great to talk to you. I'm glad to see that this is in motion and seems like a great thing. Maybe uh, we'll catch up again further down the process. Anything else you want to say? No, thanks for having me, Nathaniel. This is really uh, a, a pleasure and an honor to be able to, to share our story with your listeners. Thanks for doing it. That was Jonathan Petz. He's at immigrationhelp.org. This is Nathaniel G. Perlman of the Great Battlefield Podcast. You can find us at greatbattlefield.com or by searching for Great Battlefield in places where podcasts are found.